Why go to all the trouble of experiencing the great outdoors for yourself when you can listen to a few Northwest Outdoor experts yap about it? This is the Outdoor Line with Tom Nelson, Rob Ensley, and Joey Pyburn on Seattle Sports Station and at seattlesports.com. The Outdoor Line is brought to you by Yamaha, Sportco Outdoor Emporium, Weldcraft and Duckworth Boats, Roy Robinson RV, Kitsap Marina, Harbor Marine, Rain Marine Electronics, and Les Schwab Tires. Welcome back to the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. Welcome to opening day of trout season. It's also the opening day of WDFW's 2022 Trout Derby. Here to tell us all about it is none other than the Puget Sound Region Communications Director for WDFW, our friend Chase Scannell. Good morning. Morning, Chase. Morning, buddy. Where are you at today? You out on the lake? Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, I'm down here at Martha Lake in Mill Creek. It's a beautiful morning. we got a lot of folks on the dock, a lot of boats being launched, and it's great to talk with you all again. So tell us about the Trout Derby, buddy. Um, a lot of folks excited about it. It looks like there's 800 uh, tag trout around the lake. Run our, run our uh, listeners through what the Trout Derby is all about, brother. Yeah, so as you mentioned earlier on the show, Robbo, we got about 16.5 million trout and kokanee stocked into Lowland Lakes this year, and we're expecting several hundred thousand folks out there today enjoying this fishery. And this WDFW Derby is something that the, part, the department started a few years back. We've got over 100 lakes across the state stocked with tagged trout. And if you catch one of those tagged trout, just go on to WDFWDerby.com, enter the information on that tag, and we'll send you some information on where to go and pick up a prize. As you said, we've got a little over 800 of those tagged trout swimming around in lakes, and those prizes total about $37,000. They could be things from fishing rods to outdoor emporium gift cards, a whole bunch of good stuff for outdoor enthusiasts. And I'm, I'm hoping to see one of those tag, tag, tout, tag trout myself today and <laughs> the anglers that I'll be surveying here at Martha Lake. And so they're little floy tags, right? They're little, uh, little spaghetti tags, right? That's right, little white tags. So if you catch a trout with a little white tag, save it, don't throw it away, and go on to WDFWDerby.com and enter the number on that tag, and we'll get you the information you need to pick up your prize. Nice. So what are you going to be throwing at them this morning, buddy? Well, so I'm out here doing angler surveys, and this this Lowland Lakes opener is such a big event for the department. You know, it's one of our biggest fishing days of the year. We sell over 700,000 freshwater licenses, and we expect that whether it's on opening day or later in the Lowland Lakes season, that about 75% of those freshwater anglers are going to fish for trout. And I can tell you from the parking lot here at Martha Lake in Mill Creek that we're already seeing a a high angler turnout. Maybe it's the good weather. Um, There's a lot of folks out here. I saw one guy catch a trout and one looked like a rooster tail right from the boat launch Mm -hmm. this morning. A lot of happy anglers already. I might do a little bit of fishing later this afternoon. And uh, I was listening in earlier and my favorite thing to do is to troll a fly on a fly rod. I, I know, mm-hmm. Tom, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> a little flashy woolly bugger just rode, rode behind a little boat or drift boat mm-hmm. or kayak. That jerky motion, just run it out there, that jerky motion on the fly, they just go crazy for it. Hey, listen, trolling oh, so a fly fun. is fly fishing, okay? Mm-hmm. All right? Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Chase, help me out here, dude. Mm-hmm. You gotta- Come on. 
you got to cast it out there somewhere. And it, I think the, the technical term is if you're casting it with the line and not the weight of the fly, it's fly fishing. So it's okay, fly fishing in my book. Okay. All right. Well, All thank right. you. All right. Now we. I don't like you lake. anymore, Chase. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Martha Lake. I remember a few years ago, a, ki- a, a like a ten-year-old kid caught a whopper trout out of there, like a twelve-pounder or something, some big old holdover that had been living in there forever. Yep. What do you recommend for for excited- catching some of those holdovers? Because that's what everybody's excited about the trout. But man, you know, you're always holding out hope that one of those big old holdovers will come climb on your stuff. What What's the best thing to throw at it for that? Uh, some of those big trout, buddy. Well, I like, I've had a lot of success on triple teasers, you know, growing up at Cottage Lake and fishing over at places like Fish Lake near Lake Wenatchee. I like to run one of those triple teasers or maybe a crocodile spoon just a little bit deeper than the rest of my gear. And and that deeper rod sometimes seems to get the holdovers. And one of the things that I think is really exciting about WDFW's trout stocking program is we've got thousands of catchable rainbows in that 10-inch range that were planted in the last few weeks. But a lot of the locations around the state, including Martha Lake, where I'm sitting at today, there were thousands of fry plants that occurred last spring. Those could be cutthroat, like here at Martha Lake, could be brown trout or eastern eastern brook trout at some of the lakes in eastern Washington. And so you've got those trout that were planted last year. They're growing bigger. You've got some jumbos and triploids in the mix as well. And they're going to act a bit more like your native trout. You're going to know the difference when one of those holdovers jumps on your line. Yeah, there's no question. And we were talking about that earlier this week. And, and the fry plants are interesting. You've got, you know, you contrast those with the stalker legal size. All right. So these these trout have been in, in pens and been fed, you know, Oregon moist pellet or broadcast pond. These fry plants go in the lake, just little tiny guys, and they learn to make their, their living in the lake. They're eating the, you know, aquatic invertebrates that are available in the lake and everything else. Their fins are clean. Mm-hmm. They're really beautiful but they fight a, there's a different quality they're a little they, wily they are yeah oh, yeah. they are and and they can grow to pretty pretty good size too and you mentioned with regard to uh lake martha in in, in particular chase you're you mentioned that most of the fry plant that go in there are cutties right are cutthroat that's right they were all cutthroat last year Ten thousand cutthroat fly fry planted last spring yeah you you had a good point chase you know if you're gonna go out and try to target some of those holdovers. You think about what's going on. All those stalker trout that have been put in, they're used to kind of living up towards the surface. That's where they've been being fed. So they're going to be kind of taking up the real estate in that upper water column. Those stalkers are going to be down a little bit deeper. They've been living in the lake for, you know, all year or, or a couple years at some time, you know, sometimes. They're going to be down cruising, probably feeding a little bit lower than, than those, uh, those stalkers. That's exactly right. They're going to be acting a little more like a a wild trout. And that's where just something that's a little more natural looking, looks like a a bait fish or a sculpin or a a worm that's a little closer to the bottom tends to be what they like, in my experience. Well, not to get away from trout here, uh, Chase, but you and your dad go out every year and you guys just rope the lings on the opener. We're a week away from the ling cut opener. Are you a live bait guy? Are you guys throwing jigs or how do you how do you approach those lings in the sound, man? I, I am a, a pretty dedicated San Juan Islands lingcod fisherman, been doing it yeah. for a long time, and I I like to do it all. Definitely kind of cut my teeth, mooching big, horse herring, blue or purple label. Mm-hmm. That's surprisingly effective up there. I don't think a lot of guys really key into that, that you can you can mooch those whole herring on a six-ounce weight, and, and they really jump on it. But there's, there's no debate about it. You put a live sand dab yeah. or a live... 
tile yeah. perch down there and and they just climb all over it so yeah i'm I'm gonna be out nice. with my Berkeley gulp sandworms trying to get my live sand dab and then I'm gonna mm-hmm. go depending on the tide to one of my favorite spots in the sand walls when the the opener kicks off those live baits work great you can get them on jigs you can get them on whole herring but nothing out competes the live bait for Lincoln and I think nice. Rob you would have to agree that Greenling are probably mm-hmm. one of their favorite snacks for the you know those big lingcod. And yeah. if guys want to run live bait, you want to make sure if you can have a couple different types. Like catch some sand dabs if you can get some pile perch or some of those little shiners. And then I want to make sure I have some some Greenling on the boat because they just yeah. for whatever reason everything loves those things. Even they halibut, even halibut, halibut things. love those. Oh, things. Yeah. halibut just devour them. I got pictures of just whopper halibut. Yep. You know, hundred to two hundred pounders on, hanging on a Greenling. Um, anyway, you're not going to see that in the San Juan Islands, obviously, but uh, the lingcod sure like them. And a, a nice little Greenling, like an eight incher, ten incher, is just yeah. perfect because yep. they suck it right down the hatch. You know, which so. which is kind of mean because that's kind of the lingcod's little cousin. Right, you know, they don't so care. They don't. They, they don't. Care less. They don't. They're just selfish yeah. eating machines. Well, you can kind, fit, kind of you like your really. link cod. Just hook yeah. a link cod up <laughs> and send it down there, and one of them would eat it. Excuse so. me, that's a, that's against WDFW regulations, oh, Robo. Okay, I know. so but, but yeah, <laughs> that's how that's how voracious they are. They though. are. I mean, they'll just eat anything. Well, well, Chase, good they luck out there. At oh, the boat launch. hold on, hold on. Our 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 fan base has a question on the text toy. Okay. For Chase, so uh, 206 powered by Yamaha Boards. Tom, please ask Chase what he thinks about an electronic punch card program, if you would. So we, we I'm get... I'm so well, glad you asked. Well, there we go. So was that was was that one of your coworkers that, that's uh, chiming in? So what's going on with that? What's happening, Chase? So we've we got some exciting news on that front. So for years, the department has been trying to move forward with the authority to implement electronic licensing. And I, I've got some good news from this past legislative session. We got some great funding from the state this year to help expand our capacity. And one of the things that the legislature passed is the authority to implement electronic licensing. So that, that's something we're going to be rolling out in the years ahead. We've already got some conversations lined up with a vendor that, that Oregon actually uses so we can learn from some of their uh, trials along the way and help to, and hopefully shorten our learning curve. But, yeah, we're going to be rolling out an electronic punch card, electronic licensing for fishing, and it could take a little while. I don't have a set timeline that I can share with you yet, but it is something that the legislature approved last session, and we're excited to get to work on it. I'm going to have to retire my George Costanza wallet collection. <laughs> That's, you know, it's going to break my heart. Well, you know, I used to just be kind of off balance with that. But, no, it's been a long time coming, and I'm glad it's heading that way because, again, I, I mean, so – before we went down Springer fishing, we knew we were fishing in, in April, and, and I had to get my license, you know, ordered like the second week of March in hopes that I'd get it before we went down. So that, that delay often, you know, is, is a hindrance in folks getting on the water. So, Chase, that's great news for sure. And, and Chase, before I let you go, I mean, one of the – we interviewed you prior to you jump coming on board with WDFW on your Highway 97 Mule Deer uh, Crossing Project deal – Give us uh, give us a little update on, on what's going on with the Okanagan muleys there, and how's this winter kind of uh, affected them on the uh, on the whole uh, survival front as well. Well, yeah, and so my my role with the Department of Fish and Wildlife, I started late last year after working in our in our regional conservation sector for the last decade. 
I started as a Puget Sound regional communications manager, just as a lifelong hunter and fisher here. It was something I, I couldn't pass up, and I wanted to bring my professional skills to working inside the department. But previous to taking this job, I had done a lot of work on the Safe Passage 97 project over there in the Okanagan, and that was another bright spot from the legislature this past session. The legislature provided funding to the Washington State Department of Transportation, WashDOT, to implement one wildlife undercrossing under Highway 97 at one of those spots where they're seeing hundreds of mule deer hit and killed by cars every year. And there's been some initial work that's happened up there. They put in over a mile of fencing and had renovated Janus Bridge, and we're already seeing really nice bucks and does and even some other wildlife like bobcats and turkeys using that wildlife undercrossing. And now WashDOT from the legislature this past session has funding for one more undercrossing. So that's going to be exciting to help move that project forward. Um, hopefully we can get someone maybe from the Department of Transportation to come on with you guys and tell you more about it because it is really an exciting project. I worked on it for about five years, and now that I'm with the department, I can watch from afar and just see it move forward. And as a big Okanagan mule deer hunter and advocate myself, um, you know, that herd needs, needs some help. We, we've seen a tough year. There was some disease issues all across eastern Washington, the drought. They're, they're facing issues from loss of connectivity in their migration corridors. So projects like that Safe Passage 97 are really important to get that herd back where it needs to be. He is Chase Gunnell. And, uh, dude, do not be a stranger. Let's, let's go bend a rod this summer, dude. That'd be great. Be happy to talk more with you guys. All right, man. Chase, appreciate it. Buddy. Thanks and, a lot, and, Chase. And listen, if you got any embarrassing boat ramp photos from Lake, Wa- Lake Martha this Just morning. Just forward let, them over. Yeah, send them over, you know, and we'll we'll submit it to the qualified captain for you. So whichever one. <laughs> Thanks, Chase. <laughs> well, Have a great weekend, buddy. You too. All right, All right Chase. Safe. Thanks so much. Coming up next, a critically acclaimed award-winning Northwest Outdoor Report right here on the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. The Northwest Outdoor Report is brought to you by Les Schwab Tires, taking your safety seriously for over 70 years. The single biggest opener in Washington is happening today with the opening of the lowland lakes across the state. 16 million trout and kokanee have been planted in lakes across Washington this past year, and many of the opening day lakes have been stocked with thousands of catchable trout in the past couple of weeks ahead of the opener. The Trout Derby also kicks off today with 800 tag trout Stockton Lakes around Washington. There's $37,000 in prizes in the Derby this year. If you're lucky enough to catch a tag trout, call the number on the tag and claim your prize. Be sure to pick up your new fishing license before heading out this weekend. Sport Coast Spring Anniversary Sale this weekend. Head over to sportgrid.com for their largest sale event of the year with smoking deals on top quality camping, hiking, fishing, and hunting gear with names like Coleman, Columbia, Slumberjack, Shakespeare, Abu Garcia, Sport Co. Outdoor Emporium has you covered no matter where your outdoor pathways may lead. Inventory levels on firearms, optics, and ammo have recovered, but don't wait to, to stock up. And while you're there, check out the full line of sports and field gun safes for all your security and home defense needs. For all the details and dozens more smoking deals, hit sportco.com. WDFW just approved another round of razor clam digs for the Washington coast for April 29th through May 7th. These are all morning digs, and the razor clam limit has been bumped back up to 20 clams per person to date. 432,380 diggers have harvested 7.1 million razor clams on the Washington coast. As always, check the WDFW website for more information about these razor clam digs. Hunters can now submit their special hunt applications in Washington. The period to submit opened on April 19th and will run through May 19th. In the drawing, hunters have the chance to win special tags for deer, elk, mountain goat, moose, bighorn, sheep, and fall turkey. During one of these tags, gives the lucky winner the chance to hunt at special times and places that allow them the best chance to harvest a trophy animal. 
For more information about the special hunt drawing on the Washington Department of Fish and Wildlife website. When cod season opens up in Puget Sound one week from tomorrow, that's May Day. The season runs from May 1st to June 15th. Lings need to be between 26 and 36 inches to be a keeper. The next big opener in Puget Sound is that shrimp opener. That's going to happen on May 25th. WDF will push the opener back take advantage of a little better weather, but it's also a midweek opener to try to keep the harvest from exceeding that recreational quota. We're going to have Nikki Kester from All-Star Charters right here in the outdoor line just after the break to run through his live bait techniques for catching lings out of Everett. Join us at Harbor Marine in Everett this Tuesday, April 26th to get ready for the upcoming ling and prawn seasons. The outdoor line crew will be on hand at 5 p.m. for shopping and rigging advice. Nelly kicks off the seminars at 6 p.m. with his shrimping PowerPoint, followed by yours truly, an all-new presentation on catching lings in the sound and straits. Join us for door prizes, special deals, and even a Cannon Downrigger grand prize at the end of the evening. That's the Ling and Shrimp Seminars at the out, with the Outdoor Line crew at harbormarine.net in Everett, 5 p.m. Tuesday, April 26th at 1032 Marine View Drive. The Northwest Outdoor Report has been brought to you by Les Schwab Tires. Find the best in tires, brakes, wheels, batteries, shock struts, and more at LesSchwab.com. The Port of Everett. That's a pretty cool spot, dude. We, we love it down there. And that's also going to be, so, so check this out. This, just, this event just came to life yesterday, Cole. So you, you guys have probably heard of the NIL name, in, name image likeness stuff that's happening with, with college football and all college sports. Here's a, oh. chance, here's a chance for you to help out the University of Washington. It's the first annual dog derby fishing tournament. It's, it's going to be limited to 20 boats. It's going to be July 16th out of the Port of Everett. And uh, there's going to be a if, – if you sign up for this event, a, a husky, current Husky football player is going to jump on board your boat. And uh, derby starts at, uh, you know, at daylight. Official win is 1 p.m. Uh, there's going to be more information about this, but uh, – so we're asking guys to supply their boat. There's going to be four guys on board, and there's going to be some cool prizes. It's going to be biggest fish and, and most boat weight. Pretty cool deal. First annual dog derby fishing tournament benefiting University of Washington athletics and the NIL deal. You're going to be hearing lots more about this. So we uh, we we got Sam. Very cool. We got we call Sam and Damon Heward. We we call those two on our boat right off the bat. We got them. And yeah, we'll, be fun. we'll pull uh, we'll pull in the the best deck hand in the Northwest. Shane Rod <laughs> Popper Palcoa. I don't. Yeah. We're going to so, so, so let me see Shane Gogan Damon yeah that'll be that'll be a classic mm-hmm. classic deal. Uh, hey, from the text toy two zero six four two one three seven seven six. One of my favorite questions, Robbo. Here we go. How do you test your boat to see if you need a black box? How much do they cost? And how hard are they to install yourself? Okay, we as Canon downrigger runners, and also we are giving away a Canon Mag 10 Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. So come on, if nothing else, show up and get yourself a you know, free $600 downrigger, whatever it is. So here's, here's what happens. Saltwater is a very, very strong electrolyte. Okay? Your downrigger wire is stainless steel, and your boat has or should have sacrificial anodes on it. These anodes are either made of zinc or they're made of aluminum, right? And, and if you have an aluminum boat, you definitely need to have these anodes on your hull, but they're also going to be on your motor. If you have a fiberglass boat, they're only going to be on your motor, but still the same thing happens. And, and what the voltage occurs on your wire because of the, the galvanic corrosion potential difference between the stainless and the sacrificial anode on your boat, you get about 0. 0.7, 0. 0.8 of a volt, which is too hot mm-hmm. for, for optimum fish attraction. This happens, be, you know, that salmon have learned to feed by interpreting these minute voltage gradients in, in the in the salt water, right? And it just so happens that a school of herring kicks off about a half a volt positive. 
So if you mimic that, you're not going to be blowing fish away from your boat. But if you are too hot, and and some guys, you know, with older well, elect- and you can you can bleed. Uh, you know, if you don't, if your grounding isn't isn't proper, you could be bleeding a negative charge, and that repels fish. So you want to stay in that 0. 0.5, 0. 0.6 range. Um, and it does. It isn't like it attracts them, but it just kind of It'll, turns them that way. I it's, agree. It won't make them look. It won't blow them away from your yeah. boat. You don't want to yeah. decrease the density of the fish underneath the boat. Directly yeah. to your question, how do you test your boat? Super easy. You got to get your boat in the water. You got to put a wire in the water. Okay. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, you're you're in strong salt water, like the Port of Everett. You know, is in the is in the Snohomish River mouth, and so that water technically is brackish. It's not fully salt. Get out away from stuff. Get in salt water. Drop a downrigger wire overboard. Now, take a multi-tester. You can get them at Harbor Freight for 10 bucks. right? You take the negative side of that. You ground it to your boat's electrical system, hopefully right straight to a battery. Mm-hmm. Then you take the positive lead, and you touch your downrigger cable, the wire mm-hmm. going into the water. And that's going to give you your boat's passive electrolysis. And that's going to tell you where they're at. Um, Pearl Troll makes an aftermarket box. Again, they're probably about 100 bucks. Super easy to install. Just follow the instructions. You're going to have a little coil coolie cure of a wire that's going, yep. to, hang, that's going to ride on your downrigger wire. It's super easy. Yeah, super easy to install. Or, or you just buy a can of downrigger and positive iron controls built, 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 right. built right into every, every downrigger that leaves the factory. Here's so. a question for Robbo. Braid or wire, Rob? Well, braid is easy, okay? Mm-hmm. For me, I mean, I'm fishing every day. And it, it, up here, it's not as much of a problem as it is in the sound. So if you fish every day in the sound, there's going to be days when you have to have that positive charge to get those fish to bite um, in the sound because they get funky when they hit the sound. Mm-hmm. They and, do. And you just need every little trick. It's not going to be every day, but there's going to be a day here and a day there when that, that positive charge on your cable turns them and makes them bite. So, so for me, it's cable. Um, up here, it's more of a matter of just finding the fish. Usually they're going to bite up here, but, uh, down the sound boy, the closer they get to those rivers, the funkier they get. And I personally, I'd be running cable in the sound. Braid is so easy though. It's just so easy to deal with. It's just that, you know, when you're out there all the time, you're going to have one of those days where you're looking around, everybody's catching fish and you aren't catching anything. It's because of that charge thing and, and getting a charge down your cable. So for me, it's cable. But uh, not everybody's going to agree with me. And, and last Saturday, we had Joel Martin of fishbaronoff.com. He runs 10 boats. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. so the choice for him is braid because yeah. it's, it's less maintenance. Guys can tie it up easier. Okay. But, but for us, dude, I, I mean, I use fresh wire every year. I change my sinks every year. And it's, there, the, there really, really is no debate. Voltage controlled stainless will outfish braid day in and day out, right? And and uh and, you know, and when fishing's tough, like Rob said, you want every advantage. You I mean, use it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean it, you know, to not take advantage of, of every advantage is, yeah, is not and, you're not just not being smart. So yep. all right. I am thrilled that we have the Puget Sound Pirate joining us next. Dude, Nikki Nikki Kester has put more he, he used to guide Puget Sound in a luma weld sled mm-hmm. okay he did with a tiller and i know because i saw him out there now you see him out there in the yamaha powered duckworth he is uh he works at all-star charters the pirate of puget sound nick kester joining us next here in the outdoor line seattle sports station 710 and the seattle sports app get in sit down hold on and listen up 
You're in the RenaissanceMarineGroup.com's wheelhouse, brought to you by Weldcraft, Duckworth, and Northwest Boats. And this guy's got a Duckworth wheelhouse himself. He's the pirate of Puget Sound. He's Nick Tester of All Star Charters, and I think he's probably caught more lingcod in Puget Sound than any other single person other than maybe Gary Krine, who basically taught us both how to catch lings in Puget Sound, Nicky. You guys there? Yeah. How you good doing, morning, buddy? Nick. How you yeah. doing, buddy? Hey, good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I was listening to you guys, and I was supposed to have been on a little bit ago, but the two words that got brought up to Nelly was salmon and downriggers, and yep. off we went on. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, right. yeah. Spun off into the weeds. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. <laughs> yeah. How you doing, man? You've got to be so, fired no, up no, the wing opener. You're, yeah, go you're, ahead. you're a week away, man. Oh, yeah. We're a week away from one of the funnest fisheries you can do in Puget Sound and can be one of the most frustrating fisheries in Puget Sound. So um, that's how this wing top fishery goes. We got an opener. I was just looking at the tides with a 10 and a half foot runner in the morning. So it's going to be a little bit of a show. Um, there's going to be a bunch of fish caught early and those are going to be hard biters in that big tide. So you're going to have your gear ready and, and hang on. What What is the perfect tide for, for that possession fishery? I like six footers. Okay. You know, about half that. You want to be moving. And you want to be moving at, you know, between, I'd say, 0.7 and one miles an hour. You don't want to be going too slow because these guys can look at your stuff and make a decision. You want to get those reaction reaction bites when you're pulling that bait through there on them. And if you get too fast, they don't like coming up off the bottom and chasing it is the thing. So you get that. There, we're going to be right at the tide. It's going to be, depend on high pressure or low pressure. Will de- depend on the speed of that current on Puget Sound, also. So, if we got a rainy day with some low pressure in there, that thing will be cooking. Get some high pressure, that thing will slow down a little bit. On us. So, you talk about uh, Link Hud not wanting to chase. What are they going to be chasing? What are, you, what are you dropping down there, buddy? I know you're a live bait guy. Oh, we're going to be run us through that. Run us through oh, the we're going to be a live bait guy, man. We're doing. We're going to be doing sand dabs. Um, if I can find some bullhead sculpting in that morning, that's my money, money fish. And if we can get some pogies going, those are pretty good. Um, they all take a little bit of different rigging and a little bit different line size and hook size to make it work. But those are my primary go-tos. Um, when I'm fishing sand dabs, I, I talked to Joey about this the other day. I like to run like a three or a four-aught gamagatu octopus circle hook in the nose and like a three or a four aught um big river gamagatsu hanging out the back of them hooking through the back by the tail and make sure you pull it out so that hooks past the end of that tail when you're running them sand dabs when you're running bullheads pretty much the same but i like to leave that secondary hook right about dorsal fin height in that fish so when he gets grabbed um those two baits are running or from 40 to 50 pound braid because or our braid on my main line and 40 to 50 pound um fluorocarbon on my leaders if i can and so um, you're the reason is those guys got pretty big toothy scenarios on them and that fluorocarbon seems to hang in there pretty good on that so yeah go ahead so you're you're gonna drop that down how, how much weight are you putting on there so here's the trick. I run three ounces, regardless of how fast the current is. 
with this. I don't want a lot of weight. I want that to be as much a natural swim as possible. And I don't want that fish to grab it and feel that weight. I run my, my weights on a slide swivel on my braid. So it's a direct pull on it. Um, if you run too heavy, they'll see it. Like on my smaller baits, my pogies, that will drop down to like 30 contests. But three ounces seems to be the big key that I ran into with it. You got your back in your boat in the current to keep them lying straight up and down. So it's a lot of boat work. You dro- I have a deckhand Tito with me, and he, he mans the rods, and I man the boat. How's that sound? And you're running those down, hitting the bottom, cranking them up, what, two or three feet off the bottom? Or are you are you trying to get that fish no. up a little bit? I want that fish to come up and commit a little bit. I'm doing at least four or five full turns on the reel. Okay. Um, and you're moving, too. You know, so if you're up off the bottom, you got less chance of hanging up in there. And sometimes you're moving pretty quick, so you don't want to be my favorite guy on the boat that goes, hey, man, this is deep here. I'm almost out of line. Yeah. I got a big one. Man, I got a big one. <laughs> hey, so yeah, are you covering? Like, All right, everybody. Yeah, everybody pick back up. We got to go a quarter mile back up there to find his gear. Yeah. So, are you making big, long drifts? Are you doing strategic little strikes? Are you, are you are you running big, long drifts in there and striping it out? Or what do you do, man? I run really tight, strategic areas. Sometimes I yeah. drift for 20 seconds, 30 seconds to hit these little pockets. But that doesn't mean you're not going to get them out in them big flats. Um, it's Puget Sound. These guys, there's not a lot of rock structure out there. And I'm not looking for rocks. I'm not looking for stuff that sticks out of the bottom. I'm looking for ditches because they're laying in those ditches as you're drifting, and they're coming up and out. That's why they're getting sand dabs. And they're laying, and they're laying sometimes way off the edge of the made structure in there, in the sand, in a little bit of rocks because all the rockfish and everything that they're eating are on the main structure. So if they hang out in there, they're going to spook them out. So they just come in, take what they need, and go back out, go away. So that's one thing. Don't think that just because you're off target a little bit, don't do that drift. And you might find a new pattern that's working. Some of the best things I had, oh, seven, eight years ago was at Hat Island, you know, 15, 20 yards away from the structure, all those fish were hanging out on the outside edges of it, feeding on the rockfish in there. Yeah, and, and guys need to, you know, obviously Nick's been out there doing this for years. You actually worked on a, a Lincod study. Um, so you, you learned a lot, and obviously you have years of experience. For guys who are just going out for the first time and learning, listen, you're going to want to cover ground, and when you do hook one of those fish, Punch that in to your yeah, no your doubt. fish finder. Drop a waypoint on it. Type some information in there and remember that spot because for whatever reason that link cod was there, you'll be able to go back there and catch another link cod. Or get over close to that boat that says All Star Charters and do the wave and save. Yeah. Hi, Nikki, no. and then push the, the big button. black duck. Yeah, it's all of that big black duck worth around. <laughs> yep, with the ACDC cranking full blast over there. You get over next to that boat and fix their link cut. <laughs> so, no, and I don't have a problem with that. Come ask what's going on. But I'm going to tell you the biggest, biggest mistake guys make fishing the link cod in Puget Sound is when they get bit, they instantly set the hook. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Let that mm-hmm. fish. Chew. Yeah. that fish, and when I say that fish too, so I run eight and a half foot glass downrigger rods in medium heavies. 
Okay. I don't pull the rod out of the rod holder for that guy until that rod tip is a foot under the water and that fish is chewing and going. They only swallow things head first. So when you're fishing flounders, they're going to come up and they're going to grab it. They're going to hang on to it. They're going to spin it in their mouth. They're going to pull down a little bit. They're going to spin it in their mouth, pull down. And once he's got that thing spun around so he's eating it head first, then he's going to take off. And that's when you pick, pick it up and reel. And remember, you got circle hooks on that front hook. Don't pull the trigger on it. Yeah. Just start yeah. reeling. And it, it, I mean, it's almost that, like it's almost like the, the the same hitchhiker drill, Joey, that that we were talking about. You know, when when we were in in, in Nia Bay, and and again, in your point to to structure and people's prior experience fishing lings, Nikki is is so very well taken because you know you're you're looking for you're looking for pinnacles, you're you're looking for humps, you know, out just in the San Juans, mm-hmm. right? it, and and in the Straits, that's what right. you're looking for. And you're looking more for ling houses. You're looking for depressions that where they can where they can drop down. You know, and, and this is true at possession. This is true at double bluff. It's true at foul weather bluff. It's you know there used to be if you're if you're talking about Hat Island, Nikki, years and years ago there used to be an uh, artificial reef out there, and there's still kind of remnants of that is. that hold ling. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Just outside the mouth of uh, the Port of Everett, there's a there's a wreck down there. That, that you'll mark and, and there's huge ling down there. The problem is the rigging of that boat. It has, it, it was just a snag fest, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. But there's some monster lings down there as well. So there's, there's a good, there's a good batch of lings in Puget Sound. It's just, there's, there's a challenge to consistently get them. And that's, that's what you've, you've been really good at, Nick. My hat's off to you. You've been, you've been really, really solid and really, uh, you know, able to get your clients on lings year after year and day after day. So how are the bookings this year? Do you have room for, for the ling season coming up here, buddy? Well, the first is booked. It's going to Salmon for Soldiers trip, my Good. my yearly trip. One of them I do. They take those guys out. But yeah, I've got some openings. The weekends are starting to fill up. Um, we got a pretty quick tide going this weekend, but I think next weekend I need to look. Or the the second weekend it slows down, and just so on and so on. The great thing about ling season is you start cold mornings, and by the time you end yeah. ling season, you're fishing in your shorts. Yeah. Well, um, in, in the past, Nick, there's been this big rush to get out there for the opener, but you've had really good success like that last couple of weeks of the season. It seems like they get a, a second push of lings that comes in there. Is that still kind of happening in the last couple of years? Oh, Nick? man. That last two weeks are better a lot of times than the first two weeks. No doubt, because, man. You're gonna pull. You're gonna pull. You're gonna pull a bunch of wings out. There's gonna be a pile of boats. There's gonna be 80 boats on that bar <laughs> on Sunday. Everybody's <laughs> running around. They're gonna. They're gonna take all the dumb ones out of there right out of the get go, and then they're gonna fish the next two, three weekends, and they're gonna struggle and they're gonna quit. Yeah, that's it. And too. then yeah. that bar starts reloading. The research that I did with Noah, there's an astronomical amount of wings in Puget Sound. It's just that they're not up in that one above that 120 line and they work up they keep working back up because it's way easier for them to eat on that bar and chew what's coming through there than sometimes out in that deep water um it was amazing how many wings we caught just a hair over the 120 line yeah no question nikki we're up against a break buddy but uh we'll get you we'll get you back on soon we appreciate your time and thanks for everything seattlefishing.com all-star charters he's nick kester 425-327-2421 that number again 425-327-2421 nikki kester thanks buddy we'll talk to you soon my friend later nick send pictures nick send pictures buddy see you man good day and don't 
Don't forget to tow that frog dick night to this. Yeah, we'll do it, buddy. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right. All right coming up next, the hottest report we've heard all week and techniques you need to succeed. It's Roar Robbins and RVs, really? Where? And it's next here in the Outdoor Line, Seattle Sports Station 710 and the Seattle Sports app. No way. you got to be kidding me. Really? Where? It's coming back. The island of Tinny and Delay. Where'd you get him, man? No way. you, you got to tell me. I, I, I'm not going to tell anybody. Ocean Journey Red. Hey, man, can you tell me where you got him? I'll never put on a life jacket again. Welcome to RoyRobinsonRV.com's Really? Where? Where? RoyRobinsonRV.com will take you anywhere. Really? It's time for you to step up to the number one Winnebago dealer in the Pacific Northwest, the all-new Roy Robinson RV Center. You're going to find a complete selection of Class A's, Class B's, Super C's, travel trailers, fifth wheelers, toy haulers, pop-ups, campers, and so much more. Roy Robinson RV Center, RoyRobinsonRV.com. Trout, trout, trout. Trout, trout, trout. Single biggest thing this weekend is a trout opener. Uh, I talked to a buddy, though. He said the lake he was on, which is normally a pretty popular lake, is fairly quiet. Only four or five boats on that lake. But I know some of the, the lakes up on your end of the woods there, Martha and some of those lakes will be super busy today. Uh, people out catching those trout. I like the tips that Chase Gannell gave out earlier about getting those holdovers, fishing a little deeper, uh, maybe some spoons, maybe even some woolly buggers or some flies, and just running them down deeper than normal. The, the stock trout are generally going to be in the top three to five feet of the water column. But those bigger ones are going to be down on the bottom. Um, Dad and his buddy, they fish all the time, and they they power bait on the bottom a couple of years ago. And Dad caught a rainbow, I don't know, 24, 25 inches long, just a tanker on his little trout rod doing that. Um, another technique for getting those big holdovers to go, you know. You, yeah, I mean, power bait is like... Yeah. It's the easiest it's, way it's to crack. catch trout. Trout crack, yeah. pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and those Dutch Wigglers, Joe. That's the new one. The, the Dutch, Dutch Wigglers. Wigglers. That's yeah. not new. Listen, yeah. they've been very popular for a long they time. They have long. been, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. uh, halibut's still going on, too, though. I mean, guys are, you yeah. know, it's been tough. Um, out at Eddie's Hook there, that's kind of been the hot mm-hmm. spot. I uh, mm-hmm. talked to Kerry Batson and Team Rain Shadow Fishing out there. Yesterday, he said 300 feet. They fish a little deeper out there, yeah, 300 feet yeah. of water. And Well, somebody stuck listen, a 130. Well, and yeah, what he said was, uh, he sent me a funny little message. He said, yeah, sorry, it wasn't caught on your bait, but yeah. they're running, they're catching live, and they're running fresh bait out there. Really? And they're catching them on those sculpins, on those mm. on those big sculpins. No kidding. Heck oh, yeah. Really big bullheads. Yep. Yeah. Mm. I'll be done. Mm, fresh bait. Huh. Fresh bait. He said, Well, one the thing about those fresh sculpins, they got those horns. You know, yes, once they, they get do. in their mouth, they're gonna, they're, they stick those horns out. They're never coming out of their mouth. Yeah. Like, Stag horn sculpins. No, yeah. no question. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That, that will definitely work. Uh, hey, cool. listen, I hope you can join Joey and I this Tuesday night, 5 p.m., Harbor Marine, the annual shrimp and ling thing. And uh, we're giving away. Uh, thousand bucks worth of stuff we got rod holder slide systems got a brand new cannon in the box mag 10 and a bunch of other stuff um bobby cannon's gonna be down there talking some shrimp traps we're gonna get there at five o'clock and uh hopefully get you rigged up for for shrimp and ling coming up that's this tuesday the 26th at 5 p.m at harbor marine check out harbormarine.net you also find them on facebook robbo Good to hear from you, buddy. I, uh, I'm Likewise. not, I'm not feeling bad that you're in some crappy weather because we, we've been, <laughs> we paid our dues around here and yeah. it's opening day and the kids are getting it's a great all day. Good. No question it's all about good, it, man. And we're used to it up here. We got plenty of Grundons on hand to keep there get you us go. through this stuff. So it's all good, man. You guys have a great rest of the weekend and uh, good luck out there, everybody on the opener.
All right. All right. You missed any of the show, jump on MyNorthwest.com, hit the OutdoorLine.com, download that Apple Podcast app. Give us a follow on social media at Joey Pyburn, at Rob Ensley on Instagram, at the Outdoor Line on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. For Matt Nelson behind the glass, Joey Pyburn, Rob O. Ensley, coming to us from Craig Pillow Fort, Alaska. This is Tom Nelson. This has been the Outdoor Line of 710, Seattle Sports Station, and the Seattle Sports app.